with 18 twisted tales from Tinseltown's most diabolical directors. Cut. Nine hours of total terror. The Tales from the Crypt Chain Reaction, Sunday beginning at 10 a.m. Eastern. On <laughs> Viewer warning. The following program contains material that may be too intense for some viewers. Parental discretion is advised. Hey everybody, this is Brandon Forner. Welcome to the Blind Rage Podcast. For this week's TV episode, we are returning to the crypt for John Lovitz in Top Billing from Season 3, I believe this is Episode 5. And um, yeah, if you want to watch along, feel free to do so. I am using an upload from my... DVD because for some strange reason, and I take care of my shit, okay? I've always taken care of my DVDs, my Blu-rays, everything. I'm not somebody who just leaves shit lying around. But for some reason, some of my Tales from the Crypt discs are freezing. I don't know if it is the player or if it's the disc or I don't know. But nevertheless, these are, because I up load a lot of stuff onto hard drive so I'm using an upload from the disc um, so let's just say I'm using the DVD as a source so if you want to watch along you can do that you can use that or you can watch it on YouTube and before we get into the episode uh, I want to encourage you to please go to Amazon Dot com or the Amazon app to check out my books. Just type in Brandon Ford in the search box. Uh, several of my titles in paperback and Kindle editions will pop up as well as my Amazon author page. You can also find my books in audiobook format by going to the Audible app or audible.com typing in Brandon Ford. You can follow me on Instagram if you don't already, at writer Brandon Ford, all one word. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Brandon Ford. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, critiques, suggestions, opinions, recommendations, you can email me directly at blindragepod81 at gmail.com. Last but not least, uh... Please take a second and give the podcast a quick rating, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a couple seconds just to hit the drop down and select a star rating. And uh, what it, whichever platform you're listening on, you know, please give a, a star rating because it gets the show some exposure. All right. Um, so we are going to begin with. A three count and let's hope that I don't fuck this up all right three two one play this is an episode that I've been putting off recording for a while not because I don't like it it's actually one of my favorite episodes of the series but because I already recorded a commentary for this episode and for some unknown reason it just up and disappeared. I have no idea. 
I've searched high and low, it's nowhere to be found. And the same thing happened a couple weeks ago when I recorded a feature commentary. It, I don't know what happened, but it, it didn't record. So, I wish I could say that I've had, um, well, I've had more hits than misses, don't get me wrong, but I wish I could say that this hasn't happened anywhere near as many times as it has because I've definitely lost episodes, um, recorded episodes, or thought I was recording episodes when there was some kind of malfunction and none of this is interesting. I don't know why I'm going on about this. So I'm recording this after I recorded the beauty rest episode with Mimi Rogers and Kathy Ireland, which is essentially a remake of this episode. It follows almost the exact same um, the exact same story, only this one involves male characters and is a lot better and makes a bit more sense, I think. But we have John Lovitz in the lead and uh, we have John Aston, who is fantastic in this episode, Paul Benedict amazing character actor here's sandra bernhard i always had issues with this opening scene because it's kind of nonsensical because we find out that it is supposed to be an audition for the character john lovitz is playing but and she's supposed to be running lines with him however she is doing this whole monologue and actually you know, putting feeling and emotion in her delivery of the dialogue. And, you know, slamming the phone down and following stage direction. That's most likely included in the script. And um, it just doesn't make any sense. And then you find out that it's a fake out. And um, here he is. I love John Lovett, but I can't. I can't. I can't buy him as a as a killer. This episode has a really uh, a really good cast, you know, despite Sandra Bernhardt. Um, but we also have uh, Louise Fletcher. Who's only in it for one scene? He's playing his agent, Bruce Boxleitner, and um, we have uh, Kelly, whatever her name is. I don't remember, but every time I see this episode, I think of "Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead" because she played. Kathy, who worked at GAW with Christina Applegate's character, Sue Ellen, and she was the more qualified applicant for the executive administrative assistant position, and she was actually doing all of Sue Ellen's work for her. 
she has a teeny tiny part here as John Lovitz's character's now ex-girlfriend. We're about to see her in a second. Oh, no. There's Bruce Boxleitner. It, it, it really is amazing how close Beauty Rest, the Beauty Rest episode follows this episode. And even down to the show business um, a, a plot or premise or concept, I'm a writer, I should know the difference between these things. And um, I think it's also interesting how, you know, um, Bruce's character, Winton, there we go, forgot his name, Winton, uh, is has been successful in television commercials. And Witten is uh, Leon's, I think that's his name, or the, uh, yeah, he, he's his rival. Well, he's not even, see, just like Kathy Ireland's character in Beautyrest, he is not, he is an inadvertent rival because John Lovitz resents his success and it seems as though that Winton is getting all the roles that Leon feels he's entitled to or he deserves because he's the better actor. Barry, that's his name. Leon was the character's name. Here's Louise Fletcher and she they don't really give her much to do as incredible an actress as she is. All she does is sit behind a desk. And I'm wondering, because she does nothing but floss her teeth for the duration of the scene, which is disgusting. But I think it is an interesting choice to for um, her character to be doing while she is interacting with him because not only does it give her not only is it more interesting than her just sitting there behind the desk but it shows her disinterest in um in in, in barry really it shows her disinterest in him as a client it shows her disinterest in him as a career and as the traje trajectory of His, uh, so I think it's time you find some representation more suitable to your needs. His, um, his career. And, um, yeah, there's a similar scene too with that within, uh, uh, with Beauty Rest, where Mimi Rogers, who is basically the female equivalent of Barry. And she's arguing with her agent about how she's not getting the role she feels she's entitled to. This really, Beauty Rest really is almost beat for beat, a remake of this. It's, it's really, really incredible that it actually 
past. So, the Barry character is one is a character who is sort of common on Tales from the Crypt. He is the underdog. He is a character who is trampled on either personally or professionally and he snaps and does something that he wouldn't ordinarily do and ultimately gets his comeuppance. So yeah, that that's that's something because Tales from the Crypt definitely followed a lot of the same plot lines as I've said but before. But there are certain characters who are identical to others. But at the same time, there are certain episodes that are uh, a little more well executed than others, regardless of their cliched or overused or oft used plot devices. So, Barry is about to... I don't know exactly what he hopes to accomplish here by auditioning for Hamlet when it's clear that this is a theater in the middle of nowhere and it's more than likely a non-paying gig and it's not going to pay the bills and he's just gotten evicted so I would think that his priorities would be more on finding a place to live than getting a role in a play that nobody will see I don't know I think it's a little far-fetched that Winton shows up at the same time and he says he's here to prove a point There's Paul Benedict. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm, yeah, he's got to be wearing a wig. He's so funny. Everything he's he does, he's fucking hilarious. I love it when Winton goes to enter and um, Beaks, his character's name is, he kind of like, you know, sticks, presses, brushes up against him. And then he says, ouch, as he closes the door. John Aston fucking kills it in this episode because he is so delightfully insane and over the top and everything this character should be. 
So, um, what I don't remember in, because I can't see the screen, I always feel compelled to say that, because this is the Blind Rage Podcast, um, but I, I, um, one thing that I don't really remember about this episode, and I've seen it a million times, like I said, it's one of my absolute favorites, but I don't remember if there is actual seating, if this is, if this is a real stage, or if this is, and there is seating, why? Because this, spoiler alert, is a mental institution, and the inmates have taken over by killing the staff, uh, which consists of one person, apparently. And so, and where they got all the, the this costume? These costumings, this costume for. Who broke my concentration? <laughs> Everyone! Everyone! Out of my sight! He's so good. You too. Come to my office. And you don't really know, because he claims to be this world renowned director and you don't they've never heard of him and you don't really know you don't really know if he really is or was prior to being committed or if he is just delusional Stunning production of Hamlet. Ever! I want to bring to the stage a Hamlet. It will look and feel. I think it's interesting too that this this whole thing is so rushed because it's all it's all being cast and um, performed on the same day. Having the look 
is the equivalent of in beauty rest um having what's inside because that is what is that is what's repeated over and over again in in beauty rest is it's what's inside that counts you know you'll be selling yourself who you are inside blah 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 and in this one it is having the right look and because it is so insisted upon that these actors have the right look in particular for this role one would assume or one is led to assume that it's um a physical presence and the look is actually the bone structure of the skull which is what they need for uh yorick when hamlet um when hamlet finds yorick's skull and starts talking to it and there's there's some hints and suggestions to it when uh, John Aston's character, I think his name is Nelson Hallowell, says that he wants to do a production of Hamlet that seems and feels so real. Um, and realism is having a genuine skull. Now here is when... Okay, I have to say this first. This is when um, Barry loses his mind and, you know, begins choking Winton, but uh -huh. I could only assume that they told Winton not to wear underwear beneath his costume because while he's being strangled, and I think that's right now, there is little to nothing left of the imagination in those tight pants. And Yeah, he's not Hamlet. And see he's he's he just just realized that the costume was for York, which kind of makes no sense because if all they need for York is a skull, why is there a whole costume? And how big is this sanitarium? Because you don't really see much until Barry starts to flee from who he discovers are madmen that um, there is an office where an administrator an administrator I guess um, has been killed and that phone that you hear ringing never fucking stops 
And what you would think is if the phone keeps ringing and ringing and ringing all day long, it's clear that there's something wrong, there's something going on, and why did they wait until after everything has transpired to send the police? Oh. Where's your friend? He should be on this stage this instant. I'm afraid he left, Mr. Hallowell. Left? A Hallowell production? I love it when um, totally Barry says, you know, I can give you what you want. And um, Nelson goes, no, 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 yes. You get you get a bit of the comedic John Lovitz. Hey, wait. Sounds very much like John Lovitz doing the critic. Oh. Did you tag the costumes as I instructed? Yes, your bastardness. Your bastardness. <laughs> spy. Well, if I'm not playing Hamlet, what role am I playing? Yorick? Trat, Yorick's been dead 23 years before the play starts. We've had a hell of a time casting the part. Someone keeps stealing the stole. That's crazy. Biggs, help me. Certainly, sir. Just slip into this void. Uh, things take a very dark turn here. And that phone! Keys. I missed that part. Uh, and here we find out where he really is. I don't remember the name of the actual asylum. Pick up the phone. 
So this whole thing has happened within the span of a few hours, I guess. Mm. Now, see, I don't understand here if if they're actually performing in front of an audience. See, because I don't, I don't know if there's a fucking if there's seat seating. Here come the Here come the police. And now oh What the hell was that? I never noticed that before. Sound like somebody laughing. The dog sniffing what remains of Barry's head. top billing as always thanks for staying with me to the bitter bitter end and i hope you'll join me for more commentaries on the blind rage podcast until next time this is brandon ford wishing you all unpleasant dreams